Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. I'm Jess Macbeth, a consultant with SWGFL, partner in the UK's Safer Internet Centre. Today, I'm joined by Sergeant Bev Bowles from Police Scotland. We're going to talk about the online safety work of the Cyber Crime Harm Prevention Team. Welcome, everybody. And hello, Bev. Hi, Jess. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. How are you today? Yeah, fine, thanks. Ah, uh, just, I know, onwards and upwards, eh, in lockdown. Right, so <laughs> probably be helpful for everybody uh, to start off if you were able to explain a bit about who you are and your role with Police Scotland. So I'm a sergeant within the Cybercrime Harm Prevention Team, which is a small unit of nine police officers based across the country with a focus on providing advice, guidance and support to people to keep themselves safe online whether it's in public sector, schools or businesses, um, we're there to provide help and support. Okay, thank you very much. And we've known each other a while, haven't we? I can't remember when we first met. It must be a couple of years years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Been lots of changes in Police Scotland, having people moving on to different roles and such. Um, Anyway, right, let's kick off our our conversation. So uh, my opening question, drumroll, if we went back five years... Have the police seen changes in how they safeguard young people online in that time? Yeah, absolutely. If we went back five years, my department didn't exist. Um, I think the focus on cybercrime and cybercrime prevention has come a long way since then, uh, so much so that it's one of our policing priorities. And we have developed a cybercrime strategy. Um, the internal departments, whether it's investigations, intelligence, our team work a lot more closely together and work with Scottish government and various different departments um, to ensure that we're working cohesively to provide online safety and safeguard young people. So if you were, if we were to, like from your perspective, I guess, then what do you, have you seen the risks change for young people in that time? I think with young people being more online and particularly in the current situation where they can't get out um, their social life is becoming more online then the risks are greater um, particularly if they're not aware of how to keep themselves safe um, from the outset of using their devices what uh, kind of risks and scams there are what the impact of their online presence can have in the in the future yeah I mean you mentioned scams there and I'm, I'm- sort of hugely aware of how things have quite changed this year and I'm mindful that you know we're putting out this podcast as Safer Internet Days coming up on the 9th of February and the theme this year is an internet we trust so it's all about misinformation and disinformation and how we know how to navigate all of that kind of the online world and what, what's trustworthy and what's not. But I guess from a police's perspective, the sort of fraud angle, the financial disinformation is probably the bit that you get most involved in. Is that something that you are seeing affecting young people? 
Um, to a degree, there have been, or there has been a, a massive increase in the amount of scams um, since the beginning of lockdown last year, and that's predominantly what our department have been looking at, um, whether it's you know vaccine scams or PPE. But in terms of young people, the same things apply in games and things that if they look too good to pro- look too good to be true, they probably are where you can sign up for X amount of skins or things that are going to help support your um, your gaming, um, but turn out to, to be a, a scam. Um, so if there's something that can be um, targeted at uh, the older generation or businesses, then it can be adapted just as easily to target younger people. You make a great point there, actually, about gaming, because it's it's something I think we forget about. We think about, like, I think about scams and I think about the, the stuff that I see online, you know, the emails that I get, the text messages that I get, the stuff that I see on Facebook um, and the things that I hear about because of the nature of my work anyway. But there's some, there's definitely this idea of gaming becoming so much more a place where everything, everything that happens online can happen in a gaming environment. So... Yeah, do you do you know any more about that? Have you had any kind of um, personal experience of looking at some of these issues within a gaming environment? Well, from a, a perspective as a mother with two young boys who um, spend a lot of time on games, the the things that they are um, influenced by, and um, and you know, it's it's all about gains and getting themselves ahead, and the things that pop up that they think they, they jump on really quickly, and I have to sort of remind them daily you know what you're clicking on who you're speaking to is it genuine don't be getting your bank card out or signing my bank card up to anything without checking first (laughs) yes yes there's always that element to it as well and I've wondered also about within the gaming environment it's something that I've kind of looked into a little bit is this idea of because what you get of course in a gaming environment is there's a there's a goal there's a target Mm -hmm. there's a competitive thing right there's something to be achieved that's that's part of the fun that's what that's what makes gaming what it is but it also I wonder about whether that can also introduce so you know you might see and some of these might be scams but some of them might be not there there might be things where for example I don't know you can you can pay some money in order to just get up to the next level rather than actually doing you know the the grunt work of working your way through a game or you might be able to buy something online that gives you buy some extra currency online that you can inject into the game um, and some of these will be scams. But the other thing I'm wondering is some of them won't, but it's like that idea of, but does that mean it's okay? Like what kind of value, you know, is it mm-hmm. all right to just pay money to jump ahead? Is that yeah. the right thing to do? If, you, if you've got a goal in mind, you just do whatever you need to do. And to I, get I think that links to their yeah. reputation as well. Is it having the, the, the kudos and the, you know, the right kind of influence to portray who you are in this gaming world and then the, the, other things that link on to that, well, you're putting yourself out as being this kind of person. Are other people going to be attracted to that? Is that going to attract people that perhaps have a less than friendly approach to try and exploit you in some way? Um, so it's always being mindful of, yeah, you are doing this, jumping ahead, you are getting these gains, but what what else are you putting out there um, that you're maybe not not aware of? Yeah, there's something about how you represent yourself online, isn't there? And mm-hmm potential vulnerability can attract uh, the wrong kind of interest yeah. so from a policing perspective presumably that's another huge area for you then is is, is young people pretend you know being targeted and manipulated exploited online yeah I mean 
don't want this to be a, a scaremongering type of thing. Being online is a great thing, and I certainly know that from uh, our household, it's having a huge impact on keeping my kids in touch with their friends. But also, it's been aware. You know, when you are online, what exactly is the purpose of being online? Is it to connect with people? Is it to find information? And while you're doing that, what information are you sharing um, at the same time? Um, and as with real world situations, online is just the same. You're open to bullying, to exploitation. Um, I think you mentioned in one of our conversations was county lines and hacking. You know, so it's being alert to all these other things that just because you're online, you're not going to be um, any less at, at risk um, of being exposed to them. How is that? I mean, in our original sort of the opening question, I suppose, that I asked, which is around about how policing has changed. I guess one of the things that I see, you know, I see a lot in, in kind of policing environments, and it's completely understandable, is is some of the terminology. You know, we, we talk about perpetrators and victims, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about kind of crime. And I wondered, again, when we think about young people online, do we tend to think of them as victims? Should we be thinking of them as perpetrators? Is that the wrong, actually the wrong way to look at it altogether? Because that's about kind of blame and you know what I mean? Do you sense really, it? Is, are there conversations like that happening in Police Scotland? Yeah, it's a really tricky um, situation, isn't it? Because people are involved in criminality, such as things like county lines where um young people are, are involved in it but the reason they become involved in it is because they've been vulnerable and they've been exploited so there's the abuse element to that that has led to them being involved in, in criminality um, and it's making sure that we do the right thing you know the the key is the safeguarding and and safety and then the the wider impact um, that the criminality has had as well as targeting the um, the thing that's come to our attention you know the um, drug mules and money laundering and all that kind of thing yeah yeah and I suppose we've we had a lot of that didn't we with the idea of sexting that Mm -hmm. there was a lot of concern although my sense was that that was more of an issue in England although that that might be misplaced that young people were being criminalized because essentially it is a criminal act without really recognizing the whole kind of context that for you know many young people it was about sexual experimentation it wasn't Mm. you know it wasn't there wasn't a kind of criminal intent Uh behind it and so, I think as well, we've, we've been working with um, Scottish education around this kind of thing and it's understanding, yep, people are, are, are doing this, but why are they doing it? Is it because they don't think there's anything wrong with it or um, there's something something else to it? And how do teachers and parents recognise, OK, this is happening either because their child is um, requesting these images and what they're doing with them or they're sending these images and then how do you manage that because it's the the fallout of oh my i put that out into the world what, what do I do now is it you know how do I recover this and um and make sure that I, f- I feel safe again so tell me then a little bit about the partnership what is the relationship between you know police scotland and um educators education scotland or other sort of you know multi-agency as well where you might look at child protection issues how does that all of that work it's quite a um it's, it's kind of like a spider's web <laughs> if you look at it we are in a really unique position as a national team to be able to work with partners across the country um, and our key partners within Scottish education we're able to connect with um, campus officers who can provide face-to-face training within schools we provide them packages and presentations and, and information um, so further on from that we work with directly with um, head teachers and guidance teachers on specific issues like 
um, understanding child ex child sex exploitation, um, what the signs are, how to, to manage it, how that fits in with reporting mechanisms um, and safeguarding. We also work with Scottish government bodies in development of online um, safety policies. Um, so we're in a really unique position within our team to have um, an influence and be able to um, discuss, engage and learn from other organisations. And if we thought about, because obviously the the kind of audience for the Safe and Empowered podcast is educators, is there anything from a police perspective that it would be good for educators to do or to think about or to do differently? You know, is there is there anything? This is your moment. <laughs> well, I think you know. I think schools and Scottish education do a really good job. Um, you know, they recognise the importance of online safety and cybersecurity, and it's making sure that this remains embedded in daily business, that it should be from nursery right the way through to um, university, that online safety is as important as your safety in the physical world, um, making sure that uh, you have your passwords and devices set up appropriately, what you're sharing, um, understanding the, the type of scams that are coming through. And not just that, that there is support, um, that if things go wrong, there are people there that you can um, speak to. Um, and what I should mention is that just no, we don't just work within Scotland. We work with the um, National Crime Agency and the National Cyber Security Centre um, to promote online safety um, and their messaging. And um, you know, it's, it's really important for us to understand what's going on elsewhere and whether we're ahead of the ahead of that trend or, or behind that trend, um, so that we always have the most up to date information and information and guidance that we can provide to people. And are their priorities different now? I mean, it, m when we talked about the changes over five years, and but particularly with lockdown, are we seeing, you know, going forward? So I'm thinking about things, you know, there's there's so much, um, so much that's happened as a result of people spending time at home. You know, there's we, we know that mental health is is a huge mm -hmm. concern for for you know the whole organisation. Uh, you and I both know that as parents, it's it's uh, really. <laughs> really difficult to manage you know everybody's expectations and provide the support to everybody that you want to provide to and still meet your deadlines mm -hmm. um but also we know that you know you mentioned about sort of fraud rocketing through the year um we know that from sort of the sexual exploitation side i mean there were warnings really early on in in the kind of first lockdown from europol about um abusers uh, and people with an unhealthy interest in children looking at ways that they could uh, engage with children at, at home and here we are a year on and we're still children uh, engaging online so I just wonder whether you think that we'll see some perhaps significant shifts that will stay with us longer term you know in terms of risk mm -hmm. um, we might for example have more younger children that are uh, socializing online that just wouldn't have if it wasn't if it wasn't for lockdown it just wouldn't be something that they that they would have been doing is that are there conversations like that happening in police yeah, Scotland? I, mean, or are you, I think there's always, there's always going to be somebody looking for a way to exploit somebody else, irrespective of the circumstances that you're in. Um, and I think from our department's perspective, is making sure that we reach as wide an audience and as accessible a format as possible to give them the information and the tools to keep themselves safe online. And if things go wrong, how do they report it and where can they go to for help? Um, you know, we, we've seen an evolution in the type of scams that have been um, coming through from the very beginning of lockdown, whether it was, you know, 
PPE that didn't exist to now get your uh, cheap vaccine. So you know, it's it's kind of trying to be trying to look ahead of well, what's the next thing that's coming down down the line? What are like the likely things um, that are going to be um, picked on by criminals to to try and exploit people? But I think you know everything evolves, and it's just about making sure that we have um, the right intelligence and the right information to provide to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk resources then. Thinking of our educators, what kind of online safety type resources would Police Scotland normally point to people? Is there any that you would particularly recommend? Um, yeah, well, we use the um, NCSC website almost daily. We use um, CEOP, um, Safer Internet Day, uh, Did You Know, um, which is a, a Young Scot resource. There's a lot of stuff out there um, and well worth checking out. Um and it's all broken down into various different ages and and issues. Um, and the Police Scotland website has information and the contact details for our department if you need them. Okay, that's fantastic. Anything else that you think it would be good to mention to our listeners before we wrap up? Doesn't the time fly? <laughs> uh, don't be scared. <laughs> the internet is a, is a great place. There's not a bad guy waiting around every button click. Um, but uh, make sure that you're basic security and safety and um, passwords are uh, sorted initially. Yeah, security begins at home. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Sergeant uh, Beth Bowles. As always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk. And if you have a question or topic you'd like me to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop me an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Goodbye.